0: Hey, fam. So this episode you're about to hear is a topic very, very near and dear to my heart, the fight against human trafficking. For me, it's of the utmost importance to bring this to light. You know me, I never hold back, and I believe that truth is power. But truth can be hard to swallow, and it can be ugly at times. So in this episode, we do discuss in graphic detail stories of real girls and women who've gone through this system and some of the horrors that they've had to face including stories of torture and abortions. So if this is difficult to hear, please take care of yourself first. But I do hope that you take these stories to heart and join me in the fight to eradicate this epidemic. We need every single voice we can find and we can do this together. I need you guys. Thank you. January, people. It's me, Jeannie, the Capricorn in the house. Holla to my Capricorns. I heard, by the way, you're not a Capricorn, are you? Birthday's December 26th. Oh, yes! <laughs> That's my friend Tara. I'll tell you about her in a second. But I want to say a big happy January to everybody out there. Not only is it my birth month, the kickoff of the year, 2020 in the house, all new refreshed a decade ahead of us, but it's also the month for trafficking awareness. Now, if you follow me on the gram, if you watch me on the reel, if you follow my hello, honey series, or if you just know me, you know that I am a passionate advocate to fight human trafficking. I've been so for about 10 years now. I learned about trafficking when I first, um, saw an up-close encounter of trafficking in Vietnam, actually with a dear friend of mine who um, I send my clothes to in Vietnam. I don't even you even know this, Dennis. Dennis, my brother, is in the room. Hey, Hi, Dennis. H- how are you guys How doing? you doing, Hi, <laughs> Dennis, um, the person who introduced me to podcasts, which then eventually led me to having my own podcast. Thank you, my rock here. Um, I learned about trafficking when I saw a very dear friend of mine um, in Vietnam who started working really weird hours and started to build a distance from me, and started to dress differently on Facebook when I was using Facebook in that good old day ten years ago. Tara's laughing because she probably still I uses still use it. Girl, I'm <laughs> dusted on that one. I can't. But when I did, when I saw these changes, I flew out to Vietnam to go hang out with friends, and one night I followed her to her place of work, and she was 17 at the time. I was um maybe about 28, and I went to her place of work without her knowing she walked into the seedy building with two floors the bottom floor had a bar with strip poles and I was like okay she's a stripper what's the deal here and then she walked upstairs where there was about 20 rooms a door there was numbers on the door from one to five and there was clothing on on the front of the doors and then like different keepsakes like like it'd be a picture of a family or a picture of a baby or there would be these little bottles with like weird things inside of them i stayed in there and i snooped and i began to learn that the numbers on the doors were the number of hours that men would pay to be with these women the keepsakes were the girls belongings they were always to be naked inside no clothes and so their clothing sat on the outside and those Pictures were just their personal pictures, and the jars of weird things in them. Some of them were embryos of aborted babies that they were asking for forgiveness for. So, kind of like dop nope nhang, Dennis, which yeah. in Vietnamese is lighting incense to Buddha or the gods to ask for forgiveness. They were aborted babies from men who had come and had sex with them. So, after talking to my this friend of mine, uh, further when I told her I saw what I saw and I'm gonna say something to her parents if she doesn't tell me what's going on because I'm scared for her, she said her uncle was gambling and lost $3,000 and couldn't pay back the oh the person he owed the money to. So he sold her for this amount of money and she had to fulfill it by having sex Jeez. until this amount was paid off. So at 17, she had already had sex with more than I think 1,800 people oh at that God. time, 17. And she started when she was 15 and each sexual practice was either 20 to $50. And by the way, she was getting only like 10%, 15% of it. It was a shitty, terrible, disgusting situation. When I brought that story back home, I thought it was just one singular weird ass case of some Vietnamese shady shit that was happening with this shady ass uncle. Then when I told a friend of mine, thank God, Allie Trowbridge, she then told me, Jeannie, that's human trafficking. The using of somebody else's body is trafficking. I was like, what is that? And at that time, the word had just been invented. So nobody knew about it. It was very um, just secretive. People got weird when you talked about it. And then at the time, trafficking was the fourth largest crime in the world. Now I believe it's second. It is second. It is second. So bringing you to today, 10 years later, I am passionate to fight human trafficking, which we're gonna talk about what the hell it is. Everybody I meet... Always says, Jeannie, I want to help you. I, I, I get why you're passionate about this. But it's like less than 2% of people really know what it is, what it looks like, and – Thankfully today, trafficking isn't such a quiet term. We've seen amazing cities and mayors like Mayor of Atlanta to Houston to even Vegas get more loud about posting signs in airports and doing what they can to announce what trafficking is. And trafficking today, as we said, is now the second form of darkest crime out there. And it is because a factoid that I'm going to share right now that Tara brought in on some of her her um. Organizations paperwork, a kilo of cocaine may be sold once, but a human body may be sold again and again, ensuring the future of this horrific enterprise. Trafficking can come in so many different forms, but it is basically the use of a human body as slavery for labor, for sexual needs, and sometimes even for body parts. And a human body does not give up. A human body does not die. So it can go on delivering babies for people who need it, delivering organs, being used to clean people's yards or to work in a nail salon as a masseuse. But at the end of the day, these people do not want to be there. They're taken against their will. So I was speaking about this at a great panel that Complex had and enter Tara of Forgotten Children, Inc. And Tara, you had such an incredible fucking fiery passion about the women that you work with and the women you've saved. You're actually on the ground rescuing women right here in local Los Angeles. And I said, Tara, I have to get in touch with you. So welcome to Listen, Hanai. Thank you. Thank you for being here. She drove down from the LBC. Give her a really good applause. (laughs) (laughs) So. Why are you so passionate about this?
1: It was founded by Pastor Paula Daniels back in 2006. Got it. Uh, Girl, you move like a founder. Well, you know, she was 67 when she founded the organization. She had went on a missions trip to Africa and, like you, had never heard about human trafficking, never knew it even existed. And she was in a village and she saw little girls being bought and sold and inquired, what is this? Why is this going on? Found out it was human trafficking. She came back to the U.S. She figured she was going to sell everything she had. What year was this? That This she was back it. in 2005. Damn. And so she's going to sell everything and move to Africa. And she said the Lord spoke to her and said human trafficking is alive and well here in the U.S. And she's like, where? Where is it happening? And unfortunately, here in the U.S., um, we don't realize that prostitution um that we've known for years and years and years. I grew up in South L.A., and so the women who are on Figueroa or Western or just the streets we see every day, we see them, as we say, on the host stroll, right? Yeah. And we're like, those are just some prostitutes. Those are mm. some hoes making some money. Mm. But what people don't understand is that all those girls, every single one of them on the street has a pimp. And the pimp is, well, and like you said, the term human trafficking is just being introduced, but we know pimping has been around forever, right? Yeah. And so, pimping ain't easy. I, mean, ain't I grew easy, up right? learning that. Pimping ain't easy. Because you know why? Because she hasn't made his money. And so now he has to do something about it. And so we did not realize that it was human trafficking because we didn't have a term for it. And so we thought that if a woman had a pimp and she gave him the money, if not, she got beat because he checked his hole, that it was not a big deal. Until we realized that whenever you are forced, coerced, or frauded to do something against your will, that is a crime. But we had never had a definition for it. So every single woman on the streets that you see on the whole stroll. And people always say, well, Tara, they look like they want to be out there. I said, True. if you don't make your daily quota of 500 to $1,000, you're often beaten and tortured or maimed. And so I want to put a pause here. So I want you to
0: open a gift I brought you. She brought me a gift and she was like, Jeannie, I think we should yes. open this before we start a conversation, which right. I'm excited about. Yeah. So there is something in it It's in, in a this. beautiful holiday packaging. Um, I'm going to start with this one here. Is yeah, that okay? Uh, yep. nice, yeah. I know. With bow. the cellophane. That's all rainbow with a bow on it. So. Okay. And I'm opening up what seems like, oh, it's a book. Uh-huh. Forgotten Children, Inc. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. It's a beautiful photo book. Jeannie Mai, thank you for having a voice in the fight against human trafficking. My name is on it. There's a beautiful little black girl. Two black girls, I think. One looks mixed race like Tamara Mori Housley. <laughs> and they're holding hands and walking. And a quote says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs seventeen seventeen. This is beautiful. Oh, my gosh. And these images. So they're pictures of women that I'm assuming. These are all the women that have come through our safe
1: house oh that we rescued. Hmm. And I wanted to wow. put a pause there so that we can make this conversation very real. Yeah. Because I hear people that talk about human trafficking is, is. It's, it doesn't exist The women are out there on their own. Every single story that's in that book by every single girl there that we've rescued has a horrific story. And the, and the story that talks about being beaten, being tortured, um, not having any food unless she made her daily or nightly quota. Um, one girl talks about jumping out of a car um, of, a, of a guy that um, that tried to buy her and then got her in the car at gunpoint and was going to rape her, not pay her. But she didn't want to face her pimp. So she jumped out the car. She was more afraid of the pimp than the than the John that bought her. And so she didn't want to face him. So she jumps out of the car and down her leg is all these scars and stuff. And so those are actual women that we've rescued. And I thought as you continue this fight and being the voice, your voice that I cannot be. You have a platform I don't have that you now have names and you well not names, but you have faces of women. So when you're in this fight, those girls were on Fig. They were in Long Beach. There's a story you've seen Jessica's video. She's in there. She was trafficked in 29 Palms off of a military base. And so a lot of those girls in there went from city to city, state to state, being sold by pimp after pimp after pimp until they found us.
0: How does a girl get trafficked off of a military base?
1: What happened was um, so I'll just share Jessica's story just please, a little bit, please. um Jessica was um, born and raised in the foster care system, and she was beaten and she was tortured, and she experienced um, extreme abuse at the hands of um her uh, the foster care workers and she she said that the um the caretakers would tell the girls to fight, and Jessica's not a fighter. she's very timid, so she would often be jumped by the girls in the home. And so she said she was just tired of being beat. And so she ran away. Her and another girl. So they were in a McDonald's in Long Beach. And that's one of the things people don't understand. Traffickers look for vulnerable women and vulnerable vulnerable boys. Sitting in in McDonald's in Long Beach. And two women walk up to her and it's like, oh, we've been noticing that you were sitting here. And um, are you okay? And she said, oh, you know, I ran away from my group home. I have nowhere to go, and I'm hungry. So they bought her some food. So they just sat and talked to her and got to know her. She, and they had little kids that were running around. And she was like, oh, the kids. So, you know, they were not a threat. They were not, you know, they didn't seem like they wanted anything from her. Yeah. And they were getting ready to go. They were like, okay, well, it was nice to meet you. And they said, where are you going to stay tonight? And she said, I have nowhere to stay, right? And so she, um, they said, We well, can come back to the hotel with us. You know, we're just here in L.A. for a couple of days, and then we're going to go. Back home, and, and home is in 29 Palms. She's like, okay, great. So for two days, she had a bed to sleep in. She had food. She said and she noticed that girls were coming on, but she didn't think anything about it. She said, and then, like on day two, they got into the car, and they took her to 29 Palms. And she said she was sitting on the couch playing with the kids. And all of a sudden, at this point, she hadn't seen a guy. And, at, and then he walks in the door, and he being, they called him daddy. And he looked at her. He said, you owe me for the, for the food that I bought you? And for being in my house, if you want to say, now get to work. And so they were using this particular area on that base. They had um, trap houses that they would use. And so her, some of the girls that she saw, and um, one of the girls that was the recruiter were all working for him. Wow.
0: And he was a trafficker. And do they make a percentage, or do they make money having brought Jessica to him?
1: Well- they didn't make any money but they were in his good graces and in the like human why trafficking, would they do that?
0: You know what I mean? Like why would those women in what I think not a great situation unless they think that they, they they're like R. Kelly's defendants, like they think that they are in great situations. Well, in this particular why situation, why would they bring another woman? It was a girlfriend,
1: woman? it was his girlfriend and her mother. So So oh human wow. trafficking is a hundred and fifty billion dollar industry. Mm-hmm. So here's how it works and this is why people don't understand why um Being aware and having knowledge is key versus ignorance and just talking outside of your head, right? So um, a pimple have what's called a stable. And you think a stable, you think of what? You think of horses, Horses. right? Mm -hmm. You have five to seven girls between the ages of 12 to 16. The average age a girl is trafficked is at the age of 12. Jessica was um, 17 when she was trafficked, but she had the mindset of a 12-year-old right? And so they make false promises and they tell these girls, we'll give you whatever you want. But you got to do something for me. And so each girl is required to make $500 to $1,000 per day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. All from sex. All from sex. And she cannot keep one dime, one dollar. And so as women, you know, we have a, a menstrual cycle. You buy sanitary napkins, right? If you go to work, she can't buy menstrual, she can't buy sanitary napkins, she can't eat, she can't do anything. Until she has made his quota. She makes over the quota. She gives everything to him. And then he dicta- dictates um, what to do with the money. If she doesn't meet the quota, she's often beaten or tortured or uh, used as a, uh, a demonstration to the other girls of this is what's going to happen if you don't make my money. So if you have five to seven girls in a stable a day, this one person is making 5000 to $7,000 on the backs of 12 to 14-year-old little girls every single day. Wow,
0: it's awful. I remember reading that one woman, one young girl, can bring a trafficker from one hundred fifty to two hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, so that's one woman in her one. sexual services. That's one. So she, imagine the stable. Oh and she God. does not get to keep one dime.
1: And that's what. So going back to our, as we started the conversation about, you know, we see those girls on the streets and they look like they want to be there. They shake and they shimmering, because she knows if I don't make this quota what I'm going to face back at the motel or even on the streets. There's one of the girls in there. I won't call her name, but um, I'll point the picture out. And she tells a horrific story. Um, It actually made the news a few years ago. And she said they were on fig and there was one pimp. And so pimps are, you know, they have, we name them. You have the gorilla pimp. You have the finesse pimp. You have the CEO pimp. The gorilla pimp is the one who beats the girls, tortures them, and does not care what happens afterwards. And so this particular guy on fig well, one girl was talking back, talking back to him and, and he said, oh, you're going to talk back? Yeah, and you're not going to make my money. He had all the girls to gather around, even girls that weren't in his stable. He beat her. And then he doused her in gasoline and set her on fire. Jeez. That story actually made the news. And I didn't know until the, um, the girl that we rescued, she was, came to the house and we were talking and she began to share the story. So the
0: girl, one of the girls in this book of these beautiful photos is one of the girls who witnessed, who witnessed this it. woman being doused and burned yeah. in fire. And so when she was
1: telling us the story, I said that was because it was a, they, they found the charred remains of a girl and they could tell the way that her frame was that she was that she was a, a female. But she was a young uh, adolescent, yeah, and they deemed like between 15 and 16 years old.
0: Well, she confirmed the story that I heard in the news like three to four years before I even met her. Insane. You're reminding me of another story I heard in Vietnam. I took my mom a couple years ago to visit a shelter in Sapa, Vietnam. And there was this young woman who had been able to escape from her trafficker, but it was her— third time that she had tried to escape she had a couple of brandings of the gang because once you're purchased just like you have a price tag you have a branding so that you know what tribe you come from so other gangsters can't buy you because you belong to someone else but right but when she and here it happens with tattoos right which we can talk about but she had different brandings but her third one she had managed to escape the second one she got because when she tried to escape both their girls got very far. She got caught, both of them got brought back to the house that they were kept in. And he beheaded the girl, one of the girls that escaped and locked the body in the room with the girl who had also tried to escape with her so that she could learn what could happen to her if she was going to do it again. So she lay there with a decapitated body. This little girl, she's 21 now, but she looked like when she was talking, she was like 10. And so going back to that vulnerability, I noticed, again, just to give you guys the signs for what these traffickers look for. They look for vulnerable women. They look for also women who are looking for love or looking for a better better environment. Better life.
1: Yeah, better life. And a lot of the girls, like Jessica, um, you know, are runaways. I'm from the foster care system. They age out. They don't have anywhere to go. So, you know, pimps look for girls that we we call runaways or throwaways that no one is checking for. Nobody's looking yeah. for. Or
0: some of these girls not just coming from foster care come from broken homes. Broken homes. Absolutely. Or even just homes. We also see women who are in houses that are negligent of love or attention because the parents are too busy. And so they go, go online and they start looking for a better job or fall in love, quote, from some dude that's promising them better things, meet him somewhere and boom, it starts and happens. And we call that
1: grooming. grooming and that's right. what most people don't understand about grooming. You know, there's this stigma that, um, and it happens, you know, that girls are just snatched off the streets. It does happen. However, pimps are a little bit more savvy. They groom their victims because they want to get the you know most bang out of their buck. So they find out, Um, you know who you are they get valuable information about your family they find out you know that oh you wanted those new jordans i can get you those jordans no string attached you know um or i'll be your boyfriend you know and we'll fall in love and live happily ever after and it'll be midway through the happily right that never comes after that then all of a sudden he uses all the information that he's gotten on her to manipulate her and control her to go out to the streets you know, and then if she tries to run, he'll say something like, "Remember, your mom lives at one two two Candy Cane Lane. Your brother goes to that school down the street. I'll kill your entire family." Mm-hmm. You know, and so when you're a minor and you 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 know and and you're too afraid to tell, yeah. you know, because now you're too afraid of what could happen, and so they groom their victims, and so yeah, you have guys that snatch them off the street, and you mentioned the internet. We one of the education uh, that we do with parents is about understanding how social media works. You know. And being hyper vigilant against it, you know. And when you have somebody offering, you know, tons of money. I know you heard about the girl Pretty Ho.
0: No, tell me about her. So
1: Pretty Ho was an Instagram pimp. And she met a lot of her girls on Instagram. She promised them money, fame, what? fortune. And she had a huge stable. You can look it up. And so she was just sentenced. Um, and they found that she had one of the largest stables locally here in L.A. of girls that she pimped on the off the internet, um, she met him on Instagram, and then they they met up and hooked up. All she used was coercion. Want to make some money, and of course, young girls—you come from the inner city, even if you come from a good home, even a good home, your parents are not buying that. You know, iPhone eleven, right, right. You know, so she's and like, pretty
0: hoe probably has herself set up looking set all up, dreamy,
1: yeah. Nails when you Google did, hair,
0: everything. Like when you Google her, you'll see sorts. the
1: pictures that she posted and everything, and it was through Damn. the Instagram posts and different things like that that they I'm were able Googling to cause find I have to her see this. and find out. You know, how she was grooming her victims. And again, and then once she got them into her stable, that's when she used force and fraud and coercion in order to
0: keep those girls trapped into a life of human trafficking. 15 years is nothing.
1: Um, Wow.
0: Well, Dennis is saying that because I pulled up on Google, Pretty Ho, and it says in a headline, Pretty Ho gets 15 years sentence for sex trafficking. 15 years ain't shit. And you've destroyed the mental and the lives of these women that are pretty much gonna be ostracized from society and from themselves, because they it, it takes half their life to kind of get through some of that mental damage that you've gotten. Yeah,
1: the trauma that's experienced oh by a H- Because think of it like this. You know, when you think about um, sex, right, as, as women, you know, we, we're geared up to have sex with one person. But when you have to have sex, with anywhere from five hundred to a thousand men within a year, in order to make a quota, to so that you don't lose your life, can you imagine? And men pay then and, and at our safe house, we call the table. We always say, if this table could talk, we learned so much at that table of yeah. what men pay for and the jobs, the
0: demand, those who give they, us a breakdown, Tara. What what do they pay for? What is the? Because I know about rates in like Asia, Africa, places like Russia. Budapest, I just recently went to. What are the? What's the price of a woman on the streets today? So
1: I'm going to tell you. So one of the girls in the book uh, told us that this guy paid her $500, and all he wanted her to do was to do um, uh, allow him to urinate on her. Give $500 for it, golden showers is what I think she yeah, called it. Golden yeah. showers. Oh, I know about and it from Mark Yes, and then uh, <laughs> and then. But for, like, two or three hours. So, like, he was paying in order for, like, so he didn't want to have sex. He just wanted to go and shower Domination. You know, domination, right? And then another girl talks about that a guy paid her $250 just to put, uh, uh, let him put safety pins through her vagina, um, like, things like that. So, the men that are buying these girls have fetishes that they see in porn, right? So, porn... Um, unfortunately plays a role in human trafficking Ooh, because okay, men we into this. want to live out those fantasies that they see in porn. And so they're not going to do it with their wives or their girlfriends. So they pay someone who they do not have any value for. So they yeah. devalue her. She's nothing to me. Right. And so they pay to do some of the most heinous, horrific things to these women. Yeah. And now imagine being 12. Wow. And having some guy um, pay you a, a $500 to just
0: do whatever I want to do to, to be you. be destructive to you and your, and your worth. Yes, right. That's the part. The part that really is demented about this entire thing, besides the disgusting ways to abuse somebody, is the destruction of someone's worth. It is so hard for a woman to build enough worth, to stand up for herself, just from society today, the way that we are not equal and the things that we already have to fight for and be respected for. But to have somebody completely shit on it and deteriorate it, that. It's a, it's, it takes a lot of therapy and a lot of support and a lot of fighting to actually build that worth back to survive. So that's why people like you and Forgotten Children, Inc. are so instrumental to help to recuperate them because a lot of times that's damaged and it's done. I mean, you have a lifelong of mental illness and failed relationships. And then sometimes it's easier to just go back to that business because that's what you knew.
1: And that's um, unfortunately the hardest part. Even though we rescue the women off the streets because of the, like you mentioned, the trauma. And so all of our entire staff and everyone within our organization, we are trauma trained. It's not just enough. And This is no knock on any human trafficking organization. But if your only goal is to rescue her and get her off the streets, that's just part of the battle. Yes. You know, we have to peel that onion back layer for layer.
0: I want to hear just how to do that, Tara. More about these victims, more about survivors, and more about how you guys can help right after this break. Welcome back, everybody, to Listen, Honey. This is a very special episode. If you know me well, you know that I'm a huge fighter against human trafficking. And I need some help and support from all of you out there because this crime has now grown to be the second largest form of dark crime, the selling and usage of human bodies. I have with me Tara, who is not only an advocate, but she's a proud member of of Forgotten Children, Inc. And you were just telling me an incredible story of somebody you had Gotten from Tennessee. Tell us about her.
1: So um, we uh, rescued a girl that was from Tennessee. But uh, prior to her coming to Los Angeles, uh, she was molested and raped by her uncle at the age of 10. When she was 13, he took her to the doctor and had an IUD put in so that he can continue having sex with her without her getting pregnant. She came to L.A. when she was about 15, 16 years old. And when she got here, her sister was an actual madam. So when she, uh, her sister said, if you want to um, stay out here with me, you're going to have to get to work.
0: Yeah. So madam sister is basically a female pimp. F-
1: female pimp. So her sister puts her on the streets and, and she goes to work. We got her because she was a part of a, a sting operation that the LAPD, uh, Long Beach Police Department, had put together. And they called us to get her. And so... When we got her into the house, which most of the girls we rescue when the first 30 days is what we consider a blackout period, and we take the girls to have um, to get examined, you know, because you know they've been a, it's a sex industry, so yeah, many of them check have their health. STDs and you know chlamydia and gonorrhea and syphilis. Some of them have diseases they don't even realize that they have. And so she was complaining about um, just having some female issues and some pain. And when we took her, that's when we found out about the story about the IUD. And so, the literally, the IUD had absorbed into her body. Oh, my God. Oh it's my never supposed God. to be left in that long. I it's think four never, years is, like, max, it right? It has never had been in there for 10 years.
0: Girl, oh, my, oh my God. It's literally Wait, rotting. How long is it supposed to be in there? It's,
1: it's supposed to What's I don't know. Years, I've never even years? had an IUD. Oh it's so, like two to
0: four. Right, but I know. And uh, it's a you know, really older sense of. Well, back
1: in the day, you know, they, they they changed it because of the copper was causing a lot of cervical cancer. Exactly, And so they changed. So, you know, she she probably got it at the time that they made the change. And so I'm still not real savvy about it. I just know that nothing is supposed to be. And and she had not been back to see an OB.
0: Oh my gosh. Since she had
1: it in there. And so imagine, so now she's a trafficking victim and she has this IUD. She's having female problems. And we take her to the doctor only to discover that there was, she had a lot of trauma. And that's the other thing is that a lot of the women have sexual trauma in their female parts because of all the sex and the pounding and the, you know, the abuse that happens. Yeah. And so she had trauma and then she had this IUD that absorbed into her body,
0: which was totally crazy. Dude. And is she OK today? Did she suffer anything permanent as um, far as damage and having reproductive She, sur-
1: she suffered from, um, I can't, th- it, it's not cervical cancer. I can't think of what it is, but it, she does have some female issues. <laughs> yeah. And she's only like 27.
0: So, okay, a lot of you guys uh, are understanding how a woman can get trafficked. And we talked a little bit about how it can start, which is your frame of mind. I think it's, it's honestly it comes from the home, it comes from whether or not you're loved, if you're valued, if you understand your worth. Been abused. If you've been already abused. And for me, I only know one part of, of those factors in my childhood. Um, and I think that's why that draws me such a correlation with these women. Having been a sexual abuse victim, it completely shreds the understanding of your rights and how worthy you are. When I was younger, th- that happened to me and therefore it just made me feel like, like a really bad injured dog and I could not stand back up and turn into the woman with the voice that I am today. So that happened for a long time until I owned what happened to me and started to Began my healing, and so the issues that came from that was people pleasing, accepting lesser than, um, accept um accepting abusive relationships that deteriorated my my heart and my and so mindset, forth. um, and I still came from a very empowering um background of parents. You know, I I, I had everything that I needed as far as home and safety and great culture that welcomed me. But just that one incident of abuse actually happened several times, but just that whole saga of abuse ripped my area of trust and knowing who I am and fighting back for myself. So the combination for women out there that don't come from loving households or have broken homes don't have education aren't surrounded by strong supportive people and are sexually abused I mean boom you're a perfect target yeah and I you know and it's really um thank you for sharing that because we
1: hear that often you know and um and unfortunately in our community where women um demean other women that get caught up in this life and, and and the one thing I tell people they'll always say well how come she just didn't leave and I'll ask did you leave the situation you were in you know, every one of us has you know, something. Has that, something. We, you know, either we were verbally abused in yes. a relationship with a guy that we felt we loved, or we were in a relationship where we were physically abused, and we or said, he, "Well, mm-hmm. you know," I had a girl tell me he didn't hit me, he just slapped me, and I so I stayed. And another girl said, "Well, every time he beats me, I stay because he buys me gifts." Right, and so it, you know, we we asked the question, "Well, why doesn't a girl who's being trafficked just leave if she doesn't want to be there?" And unfortunately. You know, we as women are always looking for love and acceptance. Right. And we're looking for that one relationship that's going to just take us over the moon, you know, and you wake up and it's a horror film. And so a lot of these young women got caught up in trafficking when they were minors. And so the ones that you see on the streets that are adults have li- probably more than likely been in the life for at least seven years. Right. And so if you've been that long, then how do you just come out? Which is why, although our name is Forgotten Children, Inc., our services are for women that are 18 and older. Because when you turn 18 here, services literally stop.
0: Yeah. And
1: so you were a victim when you, you started being victimized, you know, 11, 12 years old. And then you turn 18, people are like you should know better. No. You know, so we're like, Mm -hmm. you know, our goal is to is to bring her back, rehabilitate her, let her know that there's a safe place for her to heal. And then and then we go, we have to but we have to go back through the childhood and and, and through counseling before we can even address the issue of trafficking.
0: Right. And how can the average person spot trafficking? That I feel is really important because. When you travel now, if you're privy to trafficking, you'll notice amazing supportive cities out there like Atlanta, Houston, LA, uh, is starting to do it. You'll see signs up making you aware that trafficking takes place. See something, say something. See something, say something, and there'll be a number. But nobody quite describes what trafficking is. And another reason why I really was attracted to the work of Forgotten Children, Inc. is this flyer that you sent uh, around that I that got into my hands. And it basically says... There are more slaves now than any time in human history. Think about that, everybody. We know that we have a terrible history of slavery, for, mainly for African-Americans, although I think a form of even Asians and um, a lot there's been a form of slavery a lot in our history. But today, there are more slaves than even that time back then. Slaves are forced into labor, service or sex to make money for their owners. And it's important to be aware of how traffickers recruit people. I'm going to take a picture of this flyer and post it up on my Instagram at the thegeniemai. Check it out in my Instagram story because here, Tara, you guys list six ways that you can spot what trafficking looks like. I'm going to read the first one because it's so familiar. You could be trafficked by your boyfriend. It's the number one tactic used to win a girl's complete trust. Recruiters will, quote-unquote, boyfriend to lure a victim, isolate her from friends and family, then turn her over to a trafficker. Jesus. So that, you hear about broken love a lot where women will think he's perfect he'll charm her he'll prince charming her into a situation and then all of a sudden things turn dark and 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 it go it takes a dangerous turn
1: and we hear girls say all the time you know i met this guy and especially with social i'm a little bit older than than probably your listeners but please um, girl and it's a range out here oh okay well you know so for the old school folks that are listening you know we dated where we met the person face to face. Right. And and we went out and we touched felt, you know, and you're a human. You have a now, connection. We have a connection. But now r- this thing of social media dating and you meet someone online and then you have this. People say I had a connection with him online or, you know, and I just felt that he was the one. And then I meet up with him and then things are going great. And he says something like, you know, babe, you know, um, really want to solidify our relationship. But, you know, I want to see how down you are. Right. If you that down, you are gonna be down with me. You know, my homeboy over here, you know, he wants to try the goods before I do. And, you know, why don't you just, you know, let him yeah. hit. Right. Yeah. Well, in her mind, she wants to be down and she's doing something for the guy she loves. And it's not a big deal. And so she does it. And and so he tested the waters to see if she would. And because she would, then he takes her even further. And so we've had girls to tell us that the guys were like, well, you know what? I want to buy us a house. So I need you to go in partnership with me to buy this house, baby. And because you're so fine, you know, you're fine to make that money that I can't make and we can make it quick and buy a house. Right. And in her mind, she's doing it for the relationship, you know, not thinking trafficking, not thinking that, you know, I'm selling my body and giving away, you you know, and then you wake up, you know, a year in and realize, you know, I can't get out. And so that's how a lot of girls are boyfriend groomed into trafficking. Yes. And we see that nine times out of 10 more than that. Or a girl will have a baby by her trafficker. Yeah, right. You know, I'm going to keep the baby. There's one of the girls that's in there. Her pimp told her when she turns five, she's mine. I've already promised her to another pimp, Jeez. you know. And so um, then you have generational um, pimping where the, the mothers groom their daughters for this yeah. life. Yeah, You know, and so going back to just this thought that girls want to be out there, find out the background and the history of how she got there. And you will find that those girls that you see on the street who look real happy to be when you have a conversation with them, they're not that happy to be there. And another thing I want to bring out is that all the girls we've rescued and if we have a drop in center in the city of Linwood, we have what's called the tree of life. And on the tree, we have branches and we have names of all the girls we've come in contact with. One of the number one things that the pimps do is change their name. I change mm-hmm. your name. What am I stripping you of? Identity. That's right. right. I now
0: own you going back to slavery.
1: The mental power
0: is... in trafficking is actually sickening. Yes. yes. It's, it's strong. It's hard to break free of it once it's been done, especially under the presence of fake love.
1: We have a video clip of a pimp that actually says, if you can manipulate her mind, you can get her to do anything you want her to do. That's an and I have that clip, and wow. so they change their name. They strip them of their identity. They strip them of their legal documents. What does it sound like, right? And so you said mention gangs. Many gangs they tattoo their the their insignia on um, the girls. Um, many pimps uh, will tattoo their name so that if you try to leave me, they see my name, then you know they know that you belong to me. Return
0: it to its rightful owner.
1: A rightful owner. So when we get the girls into the house, we spend the first thirty days. Acquiring documents, getting her legal name, some of them because they're moved from city to city, don't even remember like where the county they were born in. And so just getting legal documentation to reaffirm her identity is yeah. a lot of work. And it happens, wow. unfortunately. The is... second
0: one I wonder. Oh, please. Dennis. No, I was just wonder, is there a reprisal? Like once you get the girls in, like how do you? Stop the pimps from like tracking them down or blah 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 blah. Is oh,
1: it, uh, we we're a safe house, and so yeah. um when so we so they just don't. Like, so we work primarily a lot with law enforcement, and we work with families, and so um you can't even find the house on the map. Our? when the girls come in, we confiscate everything from cell phones to clothing. Literally, we do a strip down and take everything, and for several reasons. Number one, because of that one reason the cell phones have GPS and trackers. Mm. Number two, we don't allow any of the girls to have any contact with anyone from the outside until after 30 days when we vetted who their contact. People will be. Because on the streets, there's a terminology, they call the pimps daddy, they call each other wifey, they call each other mama, you know. So, you know, when you say, you know, my dad, you know, your dad's sitting here, right? Yeah. (laughs) But another girl would be saying, oh, I want to call my daddy because it's really her pimp. So until we identify and can um, kind of figure out who's who, we don't allow them outside contact for the first 30 days. Right. And then once we do, then we vet the people. They're not, no one's ever allowed to come to the house, but we will allow her to have one phone conversation with someone, you right. know, because they want to stay connected to their family and stuff. But is in that first 30 days that we just don't allow any contact.
0: Another bullet point you have on this flyer is social events. I want to read this because we have a big one coming up. Traffickers use sporting events, parties, clubs and bars to take advantage of intoxicated or unconscious people who cannot fight being transported elsewhere. The Super Bowl happens to be one of the largest events that attract trafficking because imagine when a Super Bowl is hosted this year in Miami, you have an influx of tens of thousands of people from all different parts of the world flocking this airport, transitioning in hotels and ch- changing you know, cabs. And so with that influx of people, it's hard to keep track of anybody looking odd or you know somebody being transported from one place to another against their will so traffickers will buy a lot of these women overseas or take them from small you know towns or you know um and just transport them and sell them to go and just hoe out at these events and sometimes just sell them to 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 exchange them you know to then use them for labor in different ways so whether it be a big sporting event like the super bowl or in your own neighborhood how can you spot trafficking is that possible because for me, I know um, there was an incident I had at LAX where I was able to luckily detain two people who were trafficking two kids, because the ki- one kid was crying, the other little girl was completely not acting like she belonged to the mommy and daddy who were standing in front of her. The mommy and daddy were arguing and I saw them shuffling a lot of paperwork. And when I reported them and they got detained, the reason was because the dad said that the son was seven, the mom said he was actually five. So they were off on the ages. And the two didn't have their paperwork for the kids. So they knew right away that there was a funny situation here. Turned out that they were traffickers. They had taken the kids, one from Paraguay and one from um, Portugal. The little boy had swallowed so much cocaine in balloons that one of them burst and that's why he was rubbing his stomach. Um, And they were being sold for the Super Bowl that year in the Bay Area, actually. And I only saw it because they were weird. I just knew that they were weird. The parents didn't seem like parents and the kids didn't seem like they liked their damn parents. So besides situations of just being present, we just have to be present, right? To actually just you see something and then say something. What are signs to be able to catch local activity? That's a really good question. One of the things I tell
1: people that we don't do anymore because we're so on these phones all the time is just pay attention. You can always find um, when someone is uh, if you have an older man. Or a woman, because a lot of times we, unfortunately, we make everything about men being the abusers, but women are just as, um, just as dangerous. Mm. um, That the victim will always look uncomfortable, and she will try to get your attention through body language or eye contact and things like you know, you know, things that's just not normal. Like they're just kind of like shifting and looking at you, and then kind of looking at their, you know, the person that they're with, and or if you see an older man. Um, with a younger a younger girl and doesn't necessarily look like it's her father or grandfather and she doesn't because you you know familial um, relationships right when when a, when a family members are together they're talking they're chatting it up you their know they're laughing they're relaxed like they, right and right. so you know they may be on the phone but there's something that connects the two when in a trafficking situation where um, the victim is being transported whether she's a minor. Or an adult, there's it's an uncomfortableness that you can tell. You kinda read into. It's kinda like when you're out at a restaurant, and you see a couple fighting. Right. And you could tell that they're arguing because of the body language. Totally. It's the same thing that happens Mm -hmm. with trafficking. So if you just pay attention, just, you know, like you, it just it was just something that just wasn't right. Because because we all have the intuition of what safety looks like. But what happens in today's society, unfortunately, is that we be like, Okay, that's their business. I ain't trying to judge nobody. Right. Right? We're so busy not judging Mm -hmm. that we miss cues. Right. And 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 signs for help. Right. And so, you know, I tell people just pay attention. Watch body language, number one. Number two. And I kind of. I will stop if something looks real fishy and, and I'll just stop and watch it. Um if I'm, you know, getting on a, a train or just going somewhere. I'll just I won't I'll miss it in order to watch kind of yeah, what's going right. on. And if you just pay attention, so some of the signs, if she's if the victim is looking uncomfortable, if you notice that there's some some is tense between the two that are traveling or walking or in the grocery store because h- human trafficking is hidden in plain sight, you know, and if you Google human trafficking, you'll find that it's right next door. It's your neighbor next door. It's the guy up the street. And if you really watch when he's with that person or he has that victim, that she will always be stiff, uncomfortable, look like she wants to break, but too afraid to break. And then you can kind of, you know, if you bold I say report what you see. Some people will go up and, you know, say, hey, girl, how you doing? Just, you know, that's a little dangerous. Yeah. But if you do it, you may then uncover something.
0: Right. And what is the best contact number in a pinch to reach out to if you do see something like that?
1: And that's the National Human Trafficking Hotline. Great. And that's 1-888-373-7888. And that's one 888 373-7888.
0: You better they memorize, are, Tara. They are memorize. amazing
1: because what they will do, you can say, hey, you know what? I'm here on 65th and Broadway. I noticed a real weird situation. It's a black car with the license plate, da-da-da. Girl was forced in the car. And they are connected to... Um, to law enforcement that they can dispatch immediately right. to see the situation.
0: Right, this is something I wanna ask, uh, uh, you're like my homegirl, so I feel safe asking you this, where um, in I was just telling Tara, the reason why I was so excited to have you on is because you're so relatable with your factoids. Um, I'm a different type of person in the way that I think, in the way that I, I, I fight trafficking, whereas some people are so rigid and formal, it's hard for me to relate to them about activity, common activity that I see. So my question to you is, when it comes to stripping, I have friends that are strippers, I have business owners that have owned clubs, and it's all valid. And I also, not only am I obviously protecting women that are, that are in unsafe situations, I'm also protecting women who are making their bread. And if they happen to want to use their body in that way, all them, right? As long as they're safe. Mm-hmm. So I know that in trafficking, it is frowned upon to watch porn at all or attend strip clubs at all. But is what is the line when it comes to women who are willing to do and are in safe situations where they're making their money, whether they're a porn star or stripper and the ones obviously that that are not? Like how do we know and is supporting some strip clubs bad for the advocacy against trafficking, period?
1: Yes, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Because what happens is that um unfortunately it's about supply and demand. Okay? So why do men go to strip clubs? Because they go to strip clubs because they want to see women, right? Well, so she so the the on the flip side, she's she's just making her money, you know, trying to and I and I've known strippers that use um They're um, stripping to go through school and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So this conversation is not about her. It's about the demand. And what happens is that every time men frequent sex, uh, uh, strip clubs or they or they watch porn, they want to act out and fulfill that fantasy. It's just like I tell people like, you know, um, when we were coming up, you got high, right? You smoked a joint. But as I got into high school, you started smoking chronic. A lot of my friends that smoke chronic are now doped out. And they're drugged out. Right. Because everything, the small thing leads to the big thing, leads to the next big thing, leads to the next big thing. Right. And so while he'll go to strip club and he'll make it rain on her. But after a while, his appetite is going to change and they want him younger and younger and they want the one that's going to do more and more and more. And unfortunately, women that work in the strip club and that unfortunately, that industry will always be after a while, she's no longer the appetite of the moment. They want a younger girl. So if you notice, if you look at some strip clubs, you'll notice that the girls will look younger and younger, even if she's twenty one. They'll look they'll get a twenty one year old that almost looks like a child. Real quick story. I was in a conference um in, in um in DC back in June and they were talking about how now men can buy sex dolls that are childlike sex dolls.
0: Whoa. And
1: you can and they said and it's can, legal? And it is legal.
0: It's a no, sex doll. It's legal. And you can
1: buy a child sex doll. But here's the thing. This is what made me so Why is so it legal gross. to have
0: sex with children, but it's okay to sell things that entertain or fantasize that? Because
1: you're just because you're just fulfilling a fantasy. Oh, It's not shit. doing any harm, right? So equate that back to the strip club. So you have a lot of men that have these fantasies. So these kids that they now are making dolls to where they feel like skin They're not plasticky. They have facial, you know, like children and men are buying them. They are buying them in droves. And so unfortunately, while the woman that is just really out there to make her money and she's safe, right, doesn't understand that she's fueling the desire of that supply and demand for this guy men like having sex with little girls they want what's fresh and little boys they want that that kind of like that that fresh. they'll go to a strip club you know and they'll get they you know they get their rocks off for the moment but he really don't want her he's just trying to fulfill of that course, thing of course right and so she's yeah. for the moment but what he really wants is something a little bit fresher something right. a little bit younger something a little bit you know tender
0: yeah
1: right and so that's why unfortunately children are the prime target of sex trafficking most of those girls that are in strip clubs, and I would love to talk to a few of them. And I'm not saying so I'm not trying to offend anyone, sure. but I I can guarantee you if we peel back the layers, you're gonna have some child sexual abuse. You're gonna have some um some situations where she got into and she couldn't get out. You know, right. there are some women that strip because they, I, you know, we have a, a class in jail, and I was asked, you know, what you want to be when you grow up? Because I will to be a stripper. <laughs> so yeah. she was yeah. like, I wow. just love, she like, I just love making the money. And there are those, yeah. But there are those that, when you peel back the layer, the trauma and the abuse, and so my body becomes the thing that I use to control. You pay me, right? I don't have a pimp, but you pay me. But I got control over this. Oh, you want some more of that? You're going to have to pay me. So it, it, it's another form of power and control.
0: Right. It's also limiting. It's limiting to only know that you could use your body or only think that you could use your body. So even though you think it's power that you're giving your body, you're actually just staying safely in what you think you're only capable of yeah, because it's easy.
1: And to go back to something you said earlier, which I thought was really great. It's about the mind. And that's why one of the things that... Uh, we are a faith-based organization, and we do what's called "Battlefield of the Mind" by Joyce Meyer. I love and, that book. Yeah, and we really re- help them to reclaim their mindset. Yeah, because that's what's most important. And I will say this much: you know, as a woman, you know, and I'm married now, um, but I've come to realize that my body is the greatest thing that God has blessed me with Hmm. and it is beautiful it's a beautiful thing and no one has the right to abuse it or mistreat it and it wasn't made to have multiple partners and multiple partners and the trauma that comes but I've had to learn that as I um, as I've grown to love myself and it's the same thing we try to teach our girls once you fall in love with who you are you'll realize I don't need multiple partners I don't need nobody banging me up and flipping me upside down and oh no and all that stuff that this thing is meant and I tell the girls all the time you know Miss Kitty doesn't need a whole lot of mileage because she'll get a little old too you know so you want to preserve her you know <laughs> right right. so and we don't think about that when right. we're young or or the things and so again you know not to offend anyone but back to answering your question a girl that's just trying to make a dollar of 15 cents doesn't have any ill intent but what she's doing is is fueling the supply and demand of men who do have the right. ill intent
0: Right. I understand that. Thank you for breaking that down. You are such a wealth of knowledge, Tara. You're such a gift. So first thing I'm asking all you listeners to do is to take heart, really take a moment after you turn off this podcast and think about your mind and how present it is. Um, When you or at work, or when you're cooking a meal, that's easy to be present because you have to get something done or you're or you're, you know, getting paid. But I'm talking about how present are you when you're walking down the street, when you're at their grocery store, when you're in the parking lot, when you're getting your bags out of baggage claim. At your kid's school. At your kid's school, yeah. I even have a story of a woman who noticed after two years that... Her, the house next door always had its blind, blinds drawn. And whenever the station wagon would pull up, she always noticed different heads of children in the car and then it would pull up to the garage. The garage door would open, pull in, closed right away. There would never be a window open. And just one day she um, saw the station wagon drive out, but she knew that there were lots of kids in there because they would always be kind of dropped off inside and then the station wagon left alone. She went and knocked on the door. Knocked on the door. Nobody answered. So she opened the little mail hole of the door, looked in and said, hello, hello. My name is Agnes. I live next door. Hello. And a little head, little boy, came out and said, shh, he's got to come back. You gotta grind. You've got to run. You've got to hide. And so she knew what was going on. She said, She said, I'm going to give you a piece of paper. Write down what is the situation. And he didn't know how to write, so he gave it to the older girl that was in there, a 13-year-old Spanish girl. And she wrote, we need help. Uh, we have a man his name is uh, his name is Idris he's gonna come back we just need help there's 18 of us in here so she called some type of team and a team came and basically raided the house and there was actually 18 kids he brought home they waited for him staked the house five more came home and arrested him he was basically running a porn studio for children in the house and the kids were sold half of the kids were sold by their parents Mm. to make the money It's insane. I know. And this. um, Where was that, Jeannie? Yeah, this was crazy. This was actually. It's um, not in America, right? No, this was. This was in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah, so all to say, be aware. That's the number one thing I'm gonna ask you guys as you guys are listening to this podcast. I know it's either because you like me, thank you so much, honey, thank you, thank you, or you fell upon it because you guys rated, reviewed it, and you got it to trend on your podcast channel, so thank you for doing that. But the main thing I want you to know is that you too can fight trafficking. You don't have to do anything major and official. The first thing I'm gonna ask you to do is to be present. Be present in your environment. Number two is empower the women and the kids around you. Like, empower. Empower each other so that you always are reminded of your worth so that when fake love comes around, you know what it is. You can smell it right away because it doesn't take somebody to be molested. It doesn't take somebody to come from a broken home to be trafficked. It can happen to anybody, but it can't happen to you if you re- recognize your value and your worth and you don't believe it if it feel, if it seems too good to be true. You don't believe somebody who's trying to coerce you or suddenly ask you to do weird things because it pleasures them and they want to mind fuck you or control you. So, Empower one another, hold each other tight. And then what I would do is support Forgotten Children. How do we support you guys?
1: So you can visit us. And and so we are privately funded. So we're always looking for donations and, and volunteers and people that care. Unfortunately, we do not allow men to volunteer for obvious reasons. Um, but we're always looking for great people that just want to do um, good work. And so they can visit us at www.forgottenchildreninc.com org. Again, that's www.forgottenchildreninc.org.
0: I don't even think you have org. to say the www, because if, if somebody children doesn't Inc. even <laughs> get that by now, yeah. I think you're an asshole. Yeah. yeah. You're so a dumb just, just forgotten.
1: Just forgotten, children, forgotten children. Forgotten Look for the orange butterfly. That is our insignia. Yes. And 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 I'm just because it's you, I'm gonna give out my my personal cell that people can call. Oh, wow. If they have a question. Yo. So, well, well, this is the Forgotten Children Inc. cell. Uh, yes, that yes. You just, you know. And, and all so. y'all, respect
0: my friend out there. I will come for you if you do anything dumb, please. But if you are in a
1: situation and you just need to talk or you have, you want to know if the situation you're experiencing is trafficking, give me a call at 310-871-6594, 310-871-6594. Nine four. Our Amazing. goal by the first of the year is to have a twenty four hour hotline, and because we don't Sick. have one right now, you know people are always in situations. Yeah. Now I cannot guarantee if they call the number two a.m. we're going to answer, but right. we will answer as soon as we wake up. Send a text, but uh, send a text yes. um, because I understand that someone's going to listen to this and they'll it'll have to sink in and then they'll want to talk. And people connect with the person that they heard on the mic. And so I don't want to give them our 800 number because that's not connection. So they can give me a call. Thank you, Tara.
0: We love you so much. I will always be a supporter of Forgotten Children, Inc. And I always will be an ally and a friend to you. you. So thank you for making the time to come here. Um, For all of you listeners out there, I hope we fed your bellies with so much knowledge and um, hope to fight this together if you help us. So please do rate, review, and subscribe. Rate, review, and subscribe. Always, that keeps my channel on. It keeps me engaged with you to know what you took from this conversation. Do send a screenshot of a moment that you heard from this podcast that you can take away to your followers or your friends and for your channels. So screenshot any part of what Tara taught you today. Write it out and send me a DM. I'm gonna be reposting it. At the genie my is my Instagram. And please do share this podcast with somebody else. I'm asking for one person. Anybody out there who either does know about trafficking is in a situation that could be like trafficking or somebody who has no idea but loves to learn and be woke, please do share this episode with them. I It means so much to me that you even took the time to listen to this. Together we spread the word and we can save these women and children. I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and I'll see you next week.